previously on Close to Bell. It's scary it's going to get to the point where we've had the majority of our life we've had new Doctor Who than not had it. Yeah, that's true. The bit that um, I think will mark the time when we are officially old, though, is that when we finally get a Doctor who's cast uh, who's younger than we are mm-hmm. at the time of casting. Because right, that hasn't okay. happened for us yet. No. Uh, but I think it's gonna, it's come to the point... Uh, I mean, we're still very young. We're still in our early 30s. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's a point when you start to feel, you know, a bit a bit mentality. I mean, I've got a heck of a lot of grey hair for someone who's, who's, <laughs> who's only 31. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the moment when the Doctor gets cast and they're younger than we are, it's just like, oh, right, I'm officially old now. That's strange because they'll be they'll have been raised on new Doctors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hello everyone, welcome to Cloister Bell. As you can tell from the recap, we, uh, well, do you want to explain that, Liam? <laughs> I remember saying that, although I cannot for the life of me remember wh- uh, which podcast it was for. But yeah, I mean, that dates it as well, saying we're, <laughs> we were in our early 30s. It's mid-30s now. Time has passed. Well, we're basically 40. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, well, it's getting there, and... Um, that, that, yeah, that's a bit excessive, uh, uh, yeah. I'll round up too much. <laughs> well, for, uh, well, it's around about this age anyway. I think you just... If it wasn't for the fact that you had, like, a birth certificate, I think you wouldn't really know exactly how old you were. Just like, um, yeah, whatever. I keep on thinking that I'm 38 for some reason. And I happen to keep on reminding myself it that... It changes no, every year. It's so confusing. Yeah, I don't turn 40 in two years' time. I've still got a few years. But... Yeah, I, I remember saying that. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think that's a good indicator, and I think I, I stand by it. I think we are officially old now. Officially old, yeah. Officially old, yeah. Because we I'm definitely how old feeling is it. How old is Shudi Gatwa? He's just a baby. Should I have? Yeah, a, yeah. Should we have a guess? Is he? Um, is he in his twenties or thirties? Is he early thirties? There's no way he's in his thirties, Rob. I mean, if he is, fantastic. No, he's got to be in his 20s. Oh, right, okay. He's 31. Oh, I was wrong then. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's still... Well, when I made that first comment, we were I was probably 31 at the time I said that. So, yeah. And he, um, he would have been like 26 or something. Yeah, probably. But I still think that means that Matt Smith is probably... Because it wasn't he 26 when he was cast. Yeah, 26, 27? What was um, yeah. was Peter Davison 27 or something like that? No, I think he, he was 29. And I think he was 30 by the time he started filming. So Right. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, when Matt, when Matt Smith was cast, I think, oh, I don't know. Someone said that. I'm sure that was 15 years ago. Right, yes. To the week. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> time's marching steadily on. It is. I'm just going to pour myself a drink. I've been looking okay. at a lot of like YouTube videos lately and little tips on how to do better podcasting. And one is to like, don't don't drink and eat on the microphone. But you know, screw it. Um, <laughs> I've got a glass of orange juice here, and I've got this this flask of whiskey. 
I've been carrying around in my jacket out and about all week, <laughs> just swishing around. I think I would feel like a bad person. Well, you've been taking like, sort of like little nips out. Yeah, well, I right? haven't. I thought it's there if I want it, or I keep it on like my left left hand side. So it's nice to think, you know, if I get shot in the heart, it'll just bounce off. <laughs> oh no! The weird things I think <laughs> of, but I'm going to pour some of that in my orange juice now. A few glugs, three or four glugs. Yeah, that might be fine. But. Pardon me, sorry. On with the show. What you got to drink? Yeah, I've got a got these new mugs, and they're ridiculously big. Um, so, like to me, it's it's sort of like, I think it's the size of a Toby jug. So I've got, I think I've got a jug of tea. Ooh. Wow. Does it need more than one tea bag, or longer brewing time? It needs a longer brew time, but you know what I. Because funny enough, when I whenever I've used these, I never really like fully enjoy the cup. It probably does need two t- two tea bags. Yeah, a double bag. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, and that's the reason why they probably say don't don't, uh, don't eat or drink on podcasts. It's amazing. A lot of the do's and don'ts. We do all the don'ts. <laughs> Well, there has been times where there has been a couple of podcasts where um, where I've been sort of like eating something, and I just went, "Oh my god, god, it's it's irritating me," you know, when I've come to the edit. So it's like, God knows what, God knows what it must be for the poor listeners. Irritates me as well. Like, oh, Liam's eating again. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of the don'ts were like. People hate it when people go off on tangents like we do for twenty minutes. When people, when some of the people were saying like, "Oh, I hate it when people talk about what they've been up to," <laughs> and they've got all these in jokes because they know each other and tell them what. <laughs> That's what we do, and then and then they push Patreon and all this crap. <laughs> oh, so so basically, <laughs> they must be listening to us. Well, so we've got a listener out there somewhere. Yeah, and they're just going right, they're just squirreling away, making notes, and just going right. This is this is this is perfect because yeah. this is this is not how you're supposed to do a successful podcast. I know, yeah. Um, and and uh, it was also like when we do like the story blurb, a lot of them are like mm. they've clearly just read read these things off like Wikipedia. <laughs> well, do we need to come up with our own blurb? Well, well they like have some, written, uh, or we, we have just kind of secondary knockoff content creators. Uh, but... <laughs> But I mean, when I have uh, when I have uh, purloined a, a story description from somewhere, I've always been honest about where it's from. Um, the Radio Times website is actually <laughs> is very good at that. And then we were reviewing K Nine and Company. I thought I like the blurb on the back of the VHS box. I'm reading that. I could get away with saying that. Well, look, no one had you know, no one really has the VHSs anymore. It's it's an I'm reading a little bit of an historical document there. It's historically fascinating. See if I can get away with that one. What if I just kind of paraphrase it, then I won't have to say where I've sourced it from. Shall we do that today? We'll, cha- we'll change the odd few words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you do is you copy and paste it somewhere, and then you just get some some random words, and then you like basically get your thesaurus out and then read them out, so then it sounds slightly pretentious and doesn't quite make sense. But it's your own. What I did a little while ago, I think it was when we were doing Midnight, I used ChatGPT, and I said, please come up with an an original, write an original plot summary within one paragraph. And right. it did. It made no sense. 
Maybe that would be funny. But, hmm. uh, I'd like to say Happy New Year to everyone. Yes, Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, did you celebrate the New Year? Were you up late? I was, but I've never really been one for um, celebrating the New Year. I really, I'm really not that bothered by it. Uh, a friend of mine was going down, uh, a friend and his wife were going down to the quayside to see the, the laser show and the, the fireworks. And he was he was saying, oh, what are you going to be down? I was like, nah, I cannot be bothered. He went, fair enough. I thought I brought in the New Year in probably the most boring way ever. It was just like, right, it's the New Year. And I'm just, but you know what? I don't care. I was happy sitting at home having a cup of tea, and that was it. I think I was listening to some music as well, but how about you? Uh, we had some family round and the neighbours as well. Um, oh, nice. So it was nice. We, kids were up as well, because they're getting older now, so they can actually stay up. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think we stayed up till about three or half three. Um, And then my daughter had me up at eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm still, I'm still catching up. <laughs> Well, actually, um, the kids stayed out last night, and I woke up this morning, uh, got up, staggered around. I thought, oh, maybe I'll I'll watch the church on Ruby Road, have a coffee, and then maybe at 10 o'clock I'll do some of my other binging that I wanted to watch. And then I realized it was actually like 12 o'clock already, so I lost half the day. Quite a lion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Because I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's official. We are old, as we've established earlier. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll have that that big tangent, a uh, bit of a catch up <laughs> that people hate. Uh, what you've been up to? <laughs> what you've been watching? <laughs> what you've been reading? Right, Rob. We're going to drag this section out for for at least half an hour. Um, well, actually, surprisingly, it's um. Because we're recording this on the the first Friday of the new year, and it's it's it feels like New Year's Day was a lifetime ago. And don't even get me on start on Christmas. It feels like that, that was that was you know months ago. It's it's been surprisingly quick. Um, I didn't really take much time off uh, work. Obviously, I had the weekend, Christmas Day, Boxing Day off, and then obviously New Year's. But other than that, I've been I've been working, and oh, it's it's caught up with me. <laughs> A bit. I could. Um, so yeah, just been soon as it was back into the new year. It was the full swing of things. Work picking up, ridiculously busy. Other stuff that I've needed to sort out and uh, da, 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 da. so yeah. Um, and in terms of television, of uh, I, Rob, I came very very close to watching an episode of Juiced. Um, it Not was, watched that I, yet. No, I haven't. I came very close to actually picking it, but I went, ah, I'll watch The Fast Show instead. So I've been watching uh, episodes of The Fast Show. Uh, Subconsciously, you're avoiding it. No, it's just, yeah, I don't know why, because uh, I do actually want to watch it. It, it. These things take time. Funny enough, there's, um, there's a friend of mine, and he has a brother who's considerably younger than we are. We are. And when I last saw him, I was like, oh, how are you doing? We're having a bit of a catch-up. And, and he was telling me that... Um, He's he's watching episodes of um, Game of Thrones. It's just like you're a bit late to the party on that one. And apparently, he tried to get back into it when it was first shown and couldn't. And so now he's forcing himself to watch it. Uh, and 
I thought it was funny because he's going, you know, because the episodes are an hour long and it's, and this is, he's in his early 20s. And he's just, like, for him, television programs, which are like an hour long, is just too much to focus your attention on. Yeah, and I was just going, really? Jeez, I thought an hour is nothing. Um, and he also was saying that he thinks Game of Thrones is a bit boring. And I was just thinking, well, why are you forcing yourself to watch it, you lunatic? That he reached to their own. I've, ne- yeah, so, I've never seen it still. No, I've never watched it. I've never really been interested. And considering sort of like the whole hullabaloo of of how it ended. I think we're um, saving ourselves there from a lot of misery. Everyone's like, watch it. It's so great. But it ends terrible. Why would I put myself <laughs> through that? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I waited for I dodged a bullet there. Thank goodness. And That's my sister says, what if you die and you've just never watched it? And I'm like... What if I die and I'm halfway through it? (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be more miffed about the fact that you're dead rather than the fact of I'm dead and I haven't watched Game of Thrones. Uh, Be a bit of a sort of odd set of priorities. Um, No, one thing I I I have done um, because years ago that there was uh, the game Mafia that came out and I remember playing that in Mafia 2. The game Mafia? The game, the the game. The, sorry, I need to sort out my diction. Then the game, m, uh, the game mafia. Um, there was a definite edition uh, where they basically remastered it. It came out a couple of years ago, I think. But um, I play. I, I've been playing that. I'm really enjoying it. It because uh, it's a really good game. Um, so I have been playing that a little bit. Anyway, how about you, Rob? What have you been up to? I haven't been doing much gaming. Me and my youngest daughter pulled out one of the. I've got the Uncharted collection of the first three. So we put, oh, right, put the okay, first yeah. one on. Um, and my daughter's at that age where she's, um, I'm fine if she wants to go shoot people and throw grenades at them. Um, I kind of weaned her onto <laughs> it with Fortnite because the violence is a bit cartoony. Um, right. And she's, I've, the problem with gaming is when the kids are around, I can't just put GTA on. Um, the times where I've dared to put it on, You've got to really obey the traffic. <laughs> Don't hit anyone. And, and my daughter's like, what, what is this? I really want to drive. I'm like, you can't. You'll just run people over. Um, so with Uncharted, I've let her play it before in the past. But when it comes to the combat stuff, I've just turned it off. But she's at the age where she's kind of fine doing it. Um, but she really took to it quite well. Um, and she's, no, okay. she's, she's she kind of grasps like having to hide and get ammo and shoot people. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really proud. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Oh, for, that's it for my gaming. I've started season two of Reacher, which is the adaptation of the Jack Reacher books. Mm-hmm. And annoyingly, I didn't know it is coming out weekly. So I hit episode five, and I'm like, God damn it! Now I've I've hit <laughs> the, hit the end, and I've got to wait every week for that. But uh-huh. that's that's all right. I've watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because I didn't go to the cinema to see that, but now it's on Disney Plus. Oh, I did. Right. Okay. So, what were your thoughts on that? Well, uh, it's been. I, I love the first three. I was very mm-hmm. young when I saw the third. So, to me, I don't know if anyone dislikes the third as much, but um, I really like the third because I feel like I was brought up on it. No, no. I think the I think the common consensus is that the Last Crusade is uh, is 
really, really good. For some people, they cite it as their favorite. So, well, that's good. And I also kind of was brought up on the mentality that Temple of Doom was everyone's favorite. But I, and I didn't kind of think oh, it's not. It's not really my favorite. But everyone else thought it's like Temple of Doom. It's like the Tom Baker of its franchise. It's like the supposedly everyone's favorite. Um, but now, if, now that I'm older, I've come to learn that people dislike the Temple of Doom a bit. Yeah, it's. It's. I was going to say it's. It's the complete opposite. Now, as it happens, uh, Temple of Doom is my favorite. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of people really dislike it. Uh, they they think it's far too dark, which I which I get it is, um, and they find that the um, uh, the main female character in it is annoying. But um, I did find her irritating when I was younger. But I actually now I I don't mind her. I, I don't think she's annoying actually. I quite like um, the humor there. Yeah, I think the the humor works, and to be perfectly honest, the way that she, you know the way that she behaves and she's screaming her head off with all the bugs and everything like that, it's like I'm sorry, but that's exact. You know, it's like that's no, that's exactly how I would be. <laughs> you know, uh, I hate creepy crawlies, and I'll be screaming my head off and not wanting to do it. And yeah, uh, uh, so yeah, Temple of Doom uh, of of the three, well, actually of the whole franchise, that one is my favorite. Yeah, and I had a quite an interesting conversation where I probably bored the neighbour to death on New Year's Eve <laughs> when he was around. We're talking about right. Indiana Jones, and um, well, I probably bored him because I, I was talking, I was saying, well, Temple of Doom is actually a prequel because it's set the year before nineteen thirty-five, um, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Ma- which actually makes the Last Crusade number two because Temple of Doom is a prequel. <laughs> yeah, I was just confusing him. <laughs> Nerd! Yeah, sorry, Rob. I mean, everything that you say is factually correct, but I can see how your neighbour may may be bored with that conversation. By all means, carry on, man. Um, cause I, and I also had some of the later releases of the VHSs, which put them in chronological order and had the year on the side of the box too, which I thought was a nice touch on the spine. All right, okay. Um, but going back to the Dial of Destiny, um, Temple of the Crystal Skull, is that what it's called? No. Not temple. <laughs> uh, no, I think yeah, I think the, King, yeah just, the and crystal the, skull. The crystal skull, yeah, uh, which is number four. I never went to the cinema to see that. I did eventually see it, like on and off on a Christmas day once, but this is like ten years ago, and I think I've saw seen it again since, in part. So, it's very fragmented, and I've also played the Lego game of that. So that made that's probably what I remember more. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> right, I, I was okay. never too fussed with it. I thought ah, it's one of those more modern day films that just can't quite get the vibe. Uh, maybe if I watch it yeah. properly, I'll enjoy it more. Well, I bought the I bought all of the Indiana Jones uh, films on on four um, K Blu Ray last year. What I will say is that the presentation of the films is really good, but I would, if anyone's interested in the special features of the making of documentaries and so on, stick to the earlier releases because the special features on the, the 4K Blu-rays are non-existent. You get the trailers and that's pretty much the extent of it. And I was, so I was, I was, ve- I should have checked really before I bought them. Um, I'm but, seeing that a lot yeah. with, um, with new releases and um, mm. especially 4Ks, but sometimes Blu-ray re-releases where they're remarketed and they don't include the special features. Like, I don't know if you're aware you are 
of like the Lord of the Rings stuff where they had the appendices where were like multiple discs of extra features and they were included on the Blu-ray re-releases. Then they've done another Blu-ray re-release to which I think came out with the 4K release to mirror that but it doesn't include the special features and I also think we had Alien Anthology which had all four films plus the alternative versions and all these special features then they brought out which and it also had it it really um took advantage of all the features Blu-ray had to offer. You had this InVision mother mode, which would bring up all these uh, data things, interactive points. And then Fox released a re-release of the Alien Anthology, which I think only had the theatrical cuts in. So yeah, those are just a few examples. But um, yeah, it's like physical media isn't quite living up to the mark uh, like the way it used to, like delivering all it can. It's a shame because like you see digital media now where it doesn't come with all these special features. I mean, I know there is a few exceptions to this Mm -hmm. on some of the streaming platforms, but um, yeah, I think we're being let down a bit. Yeah, I think so. But it's funny because uh, physical media is, I mean, it hasn't completely, in in terms of DVDs and Blu-rays and so on, it never, it's never really went away, but you know things were dropping down a bit but there does seem to be a bit of a resurgence because i think people are starting to realize with a lot of stuff that has been taking off um uh streaming services that you know physical media has a has a purpose and and all the rest of it i was just really surprised that there was no making of document you know when it's you know previous um content is then no longer being made available it was just it was a bit of a surprise really but um Oh, yeah. But uh, going back to it, so I watched um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull for the first time last year. And I know that it had this really poor reputation. But when it first, you know, when the movie was starting and going through the first half, I was like, yeah, it's it's not as good as the, the previous ones, but I'm still enjoying this. I think it's, you know, I think it's really good. And then for me, the the bit when it suddenly the movie takes a massive nosedive is for any of those who have seen the film there's this huge uh car chase in the jungle with cgi monkeys involved in the chase as well and then later on you get all these sort of the massive killer ants that's the bit of the movie where uh, there just seems to be a massive quality shift i've got no memory of this i might not have seen that bit all right okay um so I actually think sort of like the first half of the movie is really rather good, and then the second half is just absolutely atrocious. Um, I think Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is an okay film. Mm-hmm. I think the first half of Crystal Skull far exceeds it, uh, actually. And I think probably one of the big things which is missing from Dial of Destiny is the fact that it isn't directed by Steven Spielberg. I think it's competent, competently directed, but um, there's just that the, the the magic isn't there. It's 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 okay, you know. It's an okay film. I kind of got the um, for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, well, spoilers ahead, but I kind of got the gist that it was going to be a bit of a time travel thing um, from before I'd seen it. 
right. from a few things I'd read. Um, for some reason, I thought it was going to be a massive time travel spectacular. <laughs> I don't know what he was going to be doing, revisiting old films or doing loads of weird stuff. Um, but it was it was more straightforward than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't mind it. I, I don't know if anyone had any issues with the fact that it, it was time travel. Like with Crystal Skull, um, I don't know. Do you think people have an issue that it was aliens? Yes. They do. Uh, do you have I, an issue with that? I know. Uh, um, because uh, when you look at, well, not history, but like myths and pseudo-historical stuff and like there is a whole thing about like ancient astronauts and aliens and stuff like that. So it is, it is part of like the mythos of like civilization, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So I guess it's, it's a like a legitimate kind of pseudo history, a look down, but an explore. So yeah, I, I think the whole idea of it is fine for an Indiana Jones film. Mm-hmm. But do you not agree? <sighs> I do and I don't. It's sort of like one of those things. I mean, if you look at the original three films, um, there was it, it does take fantastical leaps of you know, especially with stuff that it tends to happen at the the end of the film. But I, I quite liked, and obviously I'm focusing on uh, the first and the third film in particular when I say this, where I quite liked the fact that they took something biblical. And, uh, and and ran with it. I like the idea of you know of how the Ark of the Covenant is is woven into that story and how it's revealed. And then you've got the um, the Holy Grail with the third one. Um, having it sort of with Crystal Skull and it was all aliens. It's fine, and I suppose it sort of fits in with the world. I just think it's a little bit tacky. Yeah, um, well, I guess now that you put it like that, it's like it's like a different approach with the first th- first few ideas that were biblical like Mm. um like when fiction kind of approaches religion and god as not a possibility but in like an absolute and it kind of it it kind of plays with these ideas and it becomes a good tool for storytelling and i and not forgetting that that those movies when they were made they were made out of sort of the idea of uh, originally Steven Spielberg wanting to direct a James Bond film but not given the opportunity and then George Lucas was saying well we can do something with that and actually do something you know uh, bigger and better if you like and it clearly having um, a love and an affection of 1930s 40s 50s film serials and comics and that clearly inspires those Indiana the, the original three Indiana Jones films um when you get to Crystal Skull and Dial of Destiny obviously because time's moved on and, and so on it doesn't it doesn't have the the same influences feeding into it so it becomes it naturally becomes something quite different um and so it, the tone and the feel and obviously, and obviously, you know, and is is different. But then, even when you go into filmmaking techniques and so on, because the gap between Last Crusade and Crystal Skull, um, it you're talking it. What was it? I, I've forgotten the years in which they were released, but you're probably talking about fifteen fifteen year gap. So. Yeah, but I'll probably at some point. I mean, my my love and affection is the for the th- first three in particular. I'll probably watch Dial of Destiny at some point, 
Um, I'll probably give Crystal Skull a wide berth. Oh, wait, have you uh, not seen Dale Destiny? No, no, I have. Oh, okay. um, sorry, I'll happily watch it again. I was at some a bit point. confused I went, there. I went, sorry, yeah, because uh, I, I did see that at the cinema. Yeah. So with 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 him arriving to, in the past, did did he make a difference with this being his destiny to go there? Did their presence there kind of win the battle? Um. I, with Aristotle kind of calling for help with his device. Um, or was it, the, I guess or, the enemy did kind of retreat. Yeah, and maybe it's sort of like that feedback loop of the fact that Indiana Jones, you know, and and the whole team go there, fed into the historical event, um, which led them there in the first place. So it's it's become a sort of like self prof self prof self prof. What am I trying to say, Rob? I can't say the word. Self-prophesizing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of like a loop. Yeah, or a predestination paradox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I liked how... Well, it's a weird to say. I don't like that. They killed off his son. But they, they took this character from the Crystal mm. Skull, who everyone hated, <laughs> and then put him in here and uh, made kind of an emotional um, kind of plot point there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It sort of worked. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I didn't. Th- I mean, I don't particularly rate uh, Shia LaBeouf too much, but I don't think he's awful. And I think it would have. I think it would have been much more interesting had they brought that character back because I don't think he was particularly uh, awful in Crystal Skull. There, there are other issues that I have with it. We we haven't seen him die though. <laughs> well, they got a record because we didn't see that. Yeah, but I mean, it's clearly a massive. Uh, plot point in the uh, in the film. So, well, um, one more thing I've been watching. I'll do this very. Come quickly. on, Rob. I'm okay. getting irritated okay. like the listeners here. We were here to talk about bloody Doctor Who. Sorry. Okay, so I watched <laughs> a thing on Netflix called "Fool Me Once" with Michelle Keegan and Joanna Lumley, and oh, um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. He he played Lestrade in the Enola Holmes films, uh, but anyway, he's like the de- detective in this, and um, yeah, some of the characters were good in this. I think it's a it's a based on a novel, and it's a bit of a, a bit of a mystery from a murder and involving something that happens on a nanny cam. Anyway, I've I've summarized it very quickly there, and we'll move on. But that's what I watched um, over the last two days. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and any good? Um, yeah, fine. Uh, if you like a bit of mystery, mm-hmm. um, there's lots of it presents a lot, a lot of questions. It might not be for everyone, but um, it's a bit of entertainment. Yeah. Long ago on Christmas Eve, a baby was abandoned in the snow. Today, Ruby Sunday meets the Doctor, stolen baby's goblins, and perhaps a secret of her birth. So, cast and crew, the Doctor was played by Shudi Gatwa in his first mm-hmm. full story. Ruby Sunday was played by Millie Gibson. And she was born after the show was revived, believe it or not. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we're officially yeah, we're, old. We're, 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 yeah, we're really officially old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Davina, Davina McCall was played by Davina McCall. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who else have we got? Denzel? Who's Denzel? Denzel? 
Uh, anyway, um, Denzel was played, played by Bobby Brady. Trudy? Trudy? Who's Trudy? <laughs> oh, this is going to be the best podcast ever. <laughs> Trudy was played by Mary Malone. Right. Mary, Mary Malone. That's a good name. Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah, it's a really cool name. Yeah. Woman with pram... This is getting under extras here. So we'll breeze over this. Sorry. Uh, Mrs. Flood was played by Anita Dobson. Abdul Hemi Yeroham, possibly. Clara. <laughs> we don't have time to rehearse this, Liam. We just have to go with it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes, carry on, Rob. It was all smoothly done. Yes. Yep. Clara Sunday was played by Michelle Greenidge. Cherry Sunday was Angela Winter. Ruth Lyons, she was the social worker, played by Gemma Arrowsmith. And uh, that's about it. So, <laughs> so should we have a little breakdown of the story? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have like a pre-title sequence. A stranger comes and um, arrives at the church on Ruby Road. And this opening is kind of narrated by the doctor. And supposedly this is the mother who leaves her daughter outside the church on Christmas Eve. And then the doctor arrives, a bit teary, and sees the mother leaving. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bit clear that this is this is going to transpire later on in the story, because yes, the, yeah. the doctor's kind of been through something already. So then we get the exact same opening titles that we did for the specials. Mm-hmm. Is this something you expected? I did, uh, yeah. I thought that was going to be the case, but I know that there was some speculation with uh, with some of the advertising material for the episode and uh, promotion po- promotional f- uh, posters that um, people was then starting to expect that oh maybe they would be a um, a different title sequence, which I hadn't previously considered. So then I did start to think oh maybe maybe we would. But when we did actually uh, um, get those titles again, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised. How about you? Um, yeah, I just thought what you thought. Maybe it would just be the same. Uh, obviously, um, they could have done something different or a variation, but may- maybe further down the line. But I do quite like them. I don't think there's any reason to change yeah. them. Yeah. No, no, neither do I. Yeah, I think they're good. So we meet Ruby for the first time uh, as a grown-up who has been interviewed by Davina on one of those TV shows tracking down your ancestry with DNA. So she wants to find her parents. And... There's a lot of technical issues on set and there's clearly a goblin there who's causing mischief, moving someone's coffee, moving wires and stuff like that and having some audio issues. So the interview kind of ends badly when kind of the lighting rigs collapse. Can I ask you something? Yeah. If, if we did find someone, what are you hoping for? Just the truth. I'm fine, I'm fine, it missed, I'm okay, it missed, I'm fine. That was lucky. Uh, So first impressions of Ruby, what do you think? Uh, And Davina. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, well, just for the uh, the listeners, Rob and I haven't uh, discussed... Uh, this episode at all prior to recording so our thoughts and feelings are, are going to be sort of like entirely uh, new to us as, as well as you um 
and uh, I don't know what your feelings of the story, Rob. I feel like I'm going to be a bit Scrooge and be, come down quite curmudgeonly on this story. Um, there are things in it that I like. By and large, I'm, mm, I'm a bit iffy with it. Um, I think she's okay. Um, both in terms of the character and the actress. Um, I think the actress is all right. I don't think she's... I don't think she's amazing. I, but then I don't think she's awful. I think, you know, just... Uh, I, th- I think she's okay. Um, I think... And I'm just focusing on... I know there's, that this is technically a, a whole new... You, you know, this is, uh, this is a totally new um, era of the show and everything like that. But... Um, going off when the show came back in 2005 if you look at all the different you know all the companions that we've had both in terms of characters and how they've been introduced i think we've had i think we've had better than this right um, okay how about you that kind of mirrors what i was thinking um okay unfortunately i thought uh, a performance wasn't that convincing mm. like mm-hmm. it, what she done before like cory yeah, and there's you know there's nothing you know there's nothing wrong with um, you know establishing your acting career in a in a soap opera and Coronation Street is still immensely popular. Although I don't understand the continued popularity of soap operas, but that's a whole another com- whole another conversation. They used to be good, but anyway, whatever now. But uh, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so she's uh, previously uh, appeared in, in Coronation Street. Um, it may be the case that the, you know her actually being in Doctor Who is the is the big thing that maybe ups her experience and skills that may be the uh, case because she, she mm. comes across as like a very confident actor yeah but it, but i don't want to lane i don't want to blame the whole as i say i think she's okay you know she's not she's not awful by any you know by any stretch of the imagination i just think yeah it's 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 fine it's it's okay i think it's 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 not just her in, in terms of the casting and i dare say she you know with more experience she will obviously get better um but i also think uh, a part of it is to do with how her character is written i don't think the character is written particularly well if if i'm honest um, which we'll get onto in a moment, because I think there's a there's a there's a massive disconnect between how she is told to react to certain situations which are really happening, and it's it doesn't it doesn't add to the drama at all. So yeah, I think she's okay. I think she's a reasonably competent actress. We've seen a lot better uh, in the past. This is just fine. Um, yeah, that's just sort of my thoughts on yeah. it. Afterwards, I was thinking I'm being a bit harsh, so I had a little think comparing her to, you know, Rose, Martha, Donna, Amy, Clara, Bill, and yeah, I think there's there's something missing there. Like I don't, I'm not quite convinced by the performance um, mm, and the dialogue, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it it's all fine. It's just an observation. So we then move on to the following. Well, is it a few weeks later? I don't know when the interview was, but then we jump ahead to December 22nd and Ruby's playing playing keyboard in a band and we get more meddling from the goblins and, and that, day, that night ends bad. So she's having a lot of bad luck. Mm-hmm. It's a shame we didn't see more of like our life and, and stuff because we get like a brief scene with her and some of our mates as well. So we, we didn't get the, 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 the nitty gritty real life stuff 
of, of Ruby, which might have helped with the believability, I guess. Yeah, that's true, actually, because if you look at, um, for example, Rose, for you know, um, back in two thousand and five, we get a whole. Uh, there's a whole thing of you know, uh, we immediately get. Um, she's young. She still lives at home. She has a boyfriend. She's happy with her with her lot. She gets on well with people. She works in a department store. You know, you get you, you get all those beats, and I think is is even today. I think is is handled. You know, you, you watch that, and I think that's handled very very effectively. This, on the other hand, uh, as a compare, I think it's again, it's fine. But I think this could have been much more stronger th- than we get, and th- the fact that you know that they've been at a club, they've been performing. Um, it's in the very early hours of of the day. They've been able to flag a taxi immediately. That stretches uh, believability far too. <laughs> oh yeah, far too. Whereas I think it was. Uh, I, I came across someone uh, saying this online, and I, 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 it did it did amuse me. Whereas. Um, in the William Hartnell story, the War Machines, they've been at the, uh, the this club Inferno. It's three o'clock in the morning. They've actually got to go and flag down a taxi in order to go home. And I went, there you are. 1960s Doctor Who was much more grounded, much more believable than this. And, you know, the very things that Russell T. Davis is supposed to be applauded for. Um, it, it seems, if, but being seriously, though, with, the, with these things, it's sort of, yeah okay i think we're getting we're getting the sort of the same beats that we did get with with rose um and what i mean by that it's not a like for like comparison but what i mean is in terms of these things of establishing the character friends lovable she's a you know she she's able to you know she performs in a band and all the rest of it i don't know it just feels a bit too no i think it's fair to draw comparisons yeah yeah yeah, but i just think it's a bit too I was going to say fast paced, but I'm I'm not too sure because the way that it's done in Rose is very very quick and very very punchy. But it just seems to, it just seems to work. Here it doesn't, and again it just feels like yeah it's fine. It but it there's nothing there that really sort of, um, really makes me want to engage with it any further. It just feels very perfunctory. One I can't thing say the word. Mm, but, but, one one yeah. thing that I kind of felt was. This is the first episode is usually like the companion story. It's their journey, and mm-hmm. t- to me, Shooty kind of stole the stole the show with his performance. Yes, because yes. then we get to the nightclub, and he and like I had the disbelief with Ruby's performance, and then we get to the Doctor. You know, he's he's quite attractive. He's dancing in a kilt, um, in the nightclub, and then he's he's coming up to her, and he's got. He's got the psychic paper, actually, hasn't he? Um, yes. What does he yeah, say? He's yeah. like a, a a gin and tonic, health and safety, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. Um, like that, yeah. But that, that's a really that's a really fun introduction, and the whole I think the whole episode was stole by by his performance. I think I really I really like his doctor hugely, and I completely agree with you there. I think Shuti Gatwa acted everybody else off the screen um and i think maybe this is a little bit of a maybe this is another issue with it as well <laughs> he's too good oh god you can't please me either someone's average of the two bloody good no i mean he he is i know that he um he's appeared in uh you know he he has acted for a while he has appeared in uh, i think it was called sex education i've never seen it this is the first time 
um, I know that he appeared in The Giggle. So him appearing in Doctor Who is the first time that I'm actually watching him as an actor. He, the camera loves him. And he just oozes charisma and everything just seems to come very naturally to him. He is clearly a very, very, very good actor. And I think in terms of casting him as the Doctor, fantastic. It couldn't have done better. The The thing is, though, you've got an actor of his caliber, you know, so very, very good. You're, you have, in order for everything else to work, you have to, have to, um, cast people who are able to the very least match him and I think maybe the series is going to struggle with that actually um, that's not that's not his fault of course you're a talented actor and you're really good at it you're gonna you know you're just gonna naturally be able to do it and he does it but um, yeah it I think that was the that was the other thing as well he, he him as an actor brilliant um and your focus is constantly on on him, and yeah, he just acts every acts everyone off, uh, off the screen, and that's a bit of a problem with an episode like this because you're not only because um, this is his first full adventure, you're not re you're not only just reintroducing or well properly introducing the Doctor, you're also introducing us to the companion. Both have to be very very strong. And it's not. But again, I think the issue that I have with it is is really the writing. But anyway. Mm. There's always a problem with first episodes because mm. it's all you've got to go on and you criticise the performance and you also criticise... You, you also bring into question like the potential of, of like the actors and characters and stories. So, um, yeah, first episodes are always tricky. To, to but judge. I mean, but but even if you go, the, indeed they are. And when you're doing something, uh, something is in the creative field like this, it's it's very difficult for everything to come together to you know to 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 make something that really truly works. Because one, you've got the script and the 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 hard work that goes into into writing the script. And then say that you you nail that and you write a phenomenally good script. That doesn't mean that the subsequent production is is going to be good. Every, everything has to fall into place at that point. Uh, the casting, the direction, the editing, the music, the light, you know, da, 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 you get the point. But in terms of if we're just focusing on Doctor Who, though, uh, and I'm going through the entire history of it, the first episode of Unearthly Child or Power of the Daleks, Spearhead from Space or Cutting It, you get the idea. Then bringing it further up with with um, Rose, uh, and then later on with Partners in Crime, or um, what was the the name of the episode that introduced Bill and the Peter Capaldi era? Oh, uh, the pilot. Yes, the pilot, uh, and so on. I think you know. I think you know. You get a you get a, a good idea, good story, and you balance it out with introducing uh, the. You know the, the the relevant characters, and you do a real. You know, I think the series more often than not has 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 done incredibly well to introduce the show, introduce a new Doctor, introduce new companions, and so on. Pretty much throughout its entire history, and then this, it um, I don't think it holds up to an awful lot of that. Mm. And again, it goes back to that thing of going, I think it's okay. Yeah. Her family, on the other hand, I quite liked. Yes, I, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Careful. Thank you. But you were just over there. Health and safety. 
Gin and tonic division. Can I ask, does that happen to you a lot? Knocking things over? Oh, all the time, but I, I'm, I'm just clumsy. No, no, you're not. It's worse than that. Merry Christmas. After the nightclub, Ruby leaves with her mates in a taxi, but the bad looks following her, so the goblins are above this storefront loosening this snowman. And this is where we see the, the Doctor's new Sonic for the first time. So mm-hmm. he does something with the traffic lights to get her to move on a bit. Um, unfortunately, there's a woman out pushing a baby. And uh, the Doctor runs out and the snowman lands. snowman's head lands on him. But, you know, he saved them both. Um, what's your thoughts on the snowman thing? Right, a couple of things with this. For me... I think that this is potentially the highlight of the episode. I really loved this bit. And funnily enough, this was... Um, this was... The uh, Disney, got, uh, you know, when they had previewed the episode, they, as a note, they didn't instruct... I think there's been some misunderstanding of this. Um, they had suggested to Russell T. Davis of maybe um, bring the Doctor in a little bit earlier into the into the pro, into the proceeds and you know do something a little bit more with him. Russell T. Davis then took that note and then wrote this bit of the episode, uh, and that was why we had a little bit of the Christmas special re sort of mounted last year because um, we had all the publicity stuff, something to do with the snowman. And everything, and it, it was this bit because everything else in the episode had already been filmed, and then this was was added in. I actually think this is a, I think so. I think that's interesting, and I think that actually this is the best bit of the story. I really like it. Um, I think it does benefit uh, the Doctor hugely, and I like the way that the whole thing's done. You get the clear threat. You know what the uh, the goblins are doing. The Doctor um, uh, involving himself immediately in order to help him helping. Uh, uh, Ruby has uh, subsequently poten- uh, potentially put someone else in danger, so then he has to quickly uh, leap in to action to try and resolve that. Uh, there's a bit of comic relief with how that's resolved. And then this leads into some really nice interaction uh, with a policeman. And again, I loved this whole section of the episode. There was a little bit of an Eighth Doctor vibe. Yes, that's what I was thinking, because he had this this kind of extra perception. Yes, uh, which we we haven't seen since uh, the TV movie. And that was always something that I quite liked about the TV movie. The Doctor seeming to see and understand the weaves of time and how people fall into it. And him just giving these little hints of, um, you know, answer the second paper on your exam. Not the the third. The third may look easy, but you'll mess it up. And then giving... um, uh, Chang Li advice, you know, next Christmas just don't be here. I liked all that. I thought that was really nice. Um, and here we have a little bit of that brought back when he's having a conversation uh, with this policeman and him say, you know, um, saying, she's going to say yes. You know, you with go engage, a, uh, go and propose to her tonight and his reaction and he's over the moon. I loved all that. It was just absolutely delightful. I loved how it was written, uh, performed, directed. I just thought this was this was really good. I liked it. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I did quite like that. It kind of also showed off like how the Doctor differs from regular people because he's almost got this this Sherlock Holmes 
sense of perception and um, observations because he did he use a sonic to detect the ring? Yes, I think he yes. did. Yeah. So, so it, you could interpret it quite differently. Um, you could look at it as the doctor could kind of have this perception of things to come, um, or he's just simply deducing it. By, yes, yeah, by, yeah, that's by true. the facts. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's kind of two ways you can interpret it, but both yes. of those kind of tell you a hell of a lot about the Doctor, which mm-hmm. I think is quite quite good. Yeah, good way to start off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the following day, we're coming under Christmas Eve now, I believe, and yeah, Ruby's heading home. So we meet um, the weird and mysterious Mrs. Flood. Mm-hmm. 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 And then we meet um Ruby's foster mother, Clara. Um and she and she's like, Oh, we're getting a new baby. And I guess we're not quite sure what that means initially. But um yeah, it turns out that she's a foster mother and she's she's fostered thirty odd babies over the years. And uh and I, I presume that began with Ruby. And yeah, they're going to get a new baby um, temporarily, maybe. But um, they're getting it today, mm-hmm. and uh, on Christmas Eve, just like just like Ruby, what a coincidence! R- the social worker Ruth brings the baby round, and her and Clara nip out because they need to get get some nappies and things because they had the wrong size. Um, so they leave Ruby in charge of the baby. Um, any anything to say about all that? No, no, I thought this was, uh, again, uh, fine. It was uh, the, the thing to do with Mrs. Flood. It seemed to be set up as maybe just being a little bit um, sort of, I know, comic relief for the episode. I don't know about you, Rob, at this point, but because I, 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 the, the whole thing is that the TARDIS is uh, landed in the middle of uh, the street and it's preventing her from moving around easily and she's having a go at somebody for playing tricks and landing the thing. So uh, it I think it's supposed to be presented as just having a bit of, you know, a bit of a laugh. I don't know what it was, but I thought there's something about this character. I, I don't know. It just feels a bit off. I think there's going to be more about this. I don't know. I just picked up on something. I yeah. can't quite put my finger on what that was, but I, you know. Well, uh, also when we, when when we saw Mrs. Flood in the, that first scene, um, I remembered that her being in it was a cast and announcement um so oh okay i missed that then um so i thought oh maybe she, maybe she's going to be a more significant character so i was watching it with my wife alona and and i said oh i bet that's ruby's mother because she did say oh um she she did make a point that it's our birthday as well yes that um initially that was my thought on it i, I don't know Obviously, we'll get on to it, Rob. Uh, I don't know, but by the time we get to the the end of the episode, if I think that's the case, it's still a possibility. Yeah. Yes. Uh, later on, I didn't think that's her mother, but yeah. Yeah, but at this point, it was yeah. Um, some thought, kind of yeah, connection. Some, some some sort of connection. Um, but yeah, I, the the casting announcement of her uh, passed me by. I didn't realize that, but uh, she is a she is famous. She's famous in her own right, but I think m- m- most people these days will. Uh, may know her as being the wife of Brian May, the guitarist of uh, the band Queen. Um, but she's been a, uh, you know, but she's well respected as an actress in her own right and very famous for uh, paying as, oh, what was the character's name? 
Angie Watts in EastEnders. All right, okay. And there was a, uh, I think this was uh, in the eighties. Uh, the character Dirty Den, who appe- uh, who the the actor Leslie Grantham, I think his name is, uh, he appeared in a Peter Davison the the Peter Davison Dalek story. Um, so it all ties in. It all weaves into Doctor Who in some bizarre way. But yeah, um, but yeah. Um, so Mrs. Flood immediately stood out to me as, as some, something else is going on here. Um, and then the whole thing to do with the, the foster family, I thought was was quite nice. And you've got um, the the, uh, the grandmother who seems to be bedridden, but she's still full of life. Oh yeah, Cherry. Yeah, Cherry, and uh, can't for love of money get a bloody cup of tea. Nope. Uh, which is sort of like a running gag within the ep- uh, within the episode, which I think is is quite nice. So. I am not going anywhere. Shackle me to this bed. And where is my cup of tea? So Davina calls. Davina McCall calls <laughs> with, with some bad news about Ruby's DNA results. Mm, uh, there isn't no, it. no luck. Yeah, yeah. There's none whatsoever. Davina's also been having been having a bit of bad luck. I think she fell off a boat on dry land. Got what trampled by a moose or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then gets killed by a Christmas tree. Yes. Seemingly killed. Yeah. <laughs> I put this as she's killed at this point. <laughs> yes. Uh, later on, she survived, uh, she's saved. But at this moment, I think uh, I think yes. she's killed by the Christmas tree. Yeah. Or maybe she is actually killed. And um, because the Doctor saves her, he's kind of ripped a hole in the universe and he's going to have to kill her again at the end of the season. <laughs> Nothing towards Davina McCall, but the <laughs> I would kind of love that if that was the story arc for Doctor Who. It, it, it all goes around just like, uh, you can't be going around saving Davina McCall. She's got to die. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll run with it. Yeah, yeah. So Ruby hears a goblin over the baby monitor. Not something you want to hear. Yeah. Um, I remember um, going back 20 years, I was babysitting one of my nephews and uh, listening over the baby monitor. There was this creepy voice. Uh, like some, It sounded like some ghost. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I actually got a baseball bat and I'm terrified. My heart's pounding and I'm going back into the back room where my mm. nephew's asleep. He's fine. There's no there's no ghosts there. Or goblins. <laughs> um but I later found out that uh it, it picked up taxi signals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well it, it was picking up a voice. Right. Well, I bet you were pleased that the, you ended up finding out there was a rational explanation. Yeah. I mean I don't know how I was gonna bust ghosts with the baseball bat. But well, no, it's go. that thing of going either either there's a ghost and I've got to get my nephew out of here, or the or there's someone in the room and I've got to beat <laughs> I've got to beat them with a baseball bat. Yeah, but that happened. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so she hears that and she she goes into the back and the baby's gone. Um, is it what's the baby called? Lula Bell? No. Yes, Lula Bell. Yeah, Lula yeah. Bell. Yeah. So the baby's gone. Um, nothing but a Polaroid of. A goblin selfie. Mm-hmm. And then she follows them up to the roof where she she sees them and they're hissing at her. And this is I think this is where we get the full, first full view of the goblins. I know we'd seen 
a decent view of them here and there on the rooftop of the shop. Um, yeah, the but, odd, but, but the odd arm. Be, yeah, the, the odd hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're, they're kind of tying the baby up to a ladder that's leading up to the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes after them. She she grabs onto the ladder and is is, is she's flying away. Um, this is where we get a nice scene of the doctor running across the rooftops, mm-hmm. like what what are you doing? But she says, "Well, the baby's up there," and so they both grab onto the ladder. Um, yeah, nice shot of shoot you running around. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, this is another. Th- this is another issue that I have um, with the with the episode. Not shoot a cat while running across, because yeah, that that was all nicely done. But th- there's no th- one of the things that I had was that there was no sense of drama. There was no sense of threat. Here we have the kidnapping of a baby, which I think most of us would agree is generally one of the most awful things that could you know possibly happen. And yet we don't get any sense of threat or any major sense that anyone's significantly concerned about this thing yeah okay that they, they just seem to be going through the motions oh a baby's kidnapped i better do something about it which don't get me wrong i'm pleased that is their reaction but there's no but there's no follow-up through from that because uh ruby's reaction to when she gets onto the roof and she's seeing the goblins and they've got the baby and they're tying it up to this to the ladder like to me i think the main focus would be on um okay you're confronted by these uh by these goblins which would take you back a bit but at the same time the the baby's being threatened so you want to focus on that not going are you hissing at me yeah i didn't have quite believe that like she's just responding with attitude, not yeah. confusion and horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like we get it. She's supposed to be um a strong, sassy character. But it's situations like this where it really bothers me. There's no there's no drama, there's no atmosphere, there's no sense of threat. And she actually comes across as completely it actually affects uh, how I'm supposed to relate to her as a character. It's like, who gives a shit if it's hissing at you? It's kidnapping a baby. Mm. And this is a goblin, a thing that you've never encountered before. Shouldn't exist. Shouldn't exist, and yet it does. And yet your reaction is, are you hissing at me? It, um, it's, it's stuff like this which really sort of bothers me. And then this is immediately followed by the whole... Um, She's clinging to the ladder. We see the doctor running across the rooftops going, what the bloody hell are you doing? Um, and there's a whole sense of camaraderie because this is, re- although they've previously spoken briefly, this is the, this is really the first time that they're properly meeting. Mm. Um, and it's it's a sense of camaraderie in, isn't this fun? And why are you doing this? And ooh, ladders and things up in the sky and look, magic gloves. And I, I just got, yeah, but a bit, it, it tonally doesn't match what narratively is happening. What the hell are you doing? Oh, just well, what did you do that for? Who's he's a ladder and just pops on a ladder in the sky and you thought, yeah, I'll give that a go, babe. This got the baby! <laughs> Sunday. Hello, Ruby Sunday. <laughs> and it's a Sunday right now. 
That's a coincidence. <laughs> I'm the doctor. Hi. I met you before. Yep. There are creatures. Goblins. Goblins. The goblins. Okay. I called. Oh, wait, 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 Because I, uh, I spent a lot of time hanging off things. I, uh, I invented these. Gloves. Intelligent gloves. One each. Should work. Put it on. Because I thought to myself, what's the problem with hanging on? It's all the friction and the weight and the burn, so I, I got rid of that. The gloves are kind of super kinetic transfer of mass. <laughs> uh, that's better. <laughs> the glove takes all my weight. All the weight is in the glove. So nothing burns, nothing pulls, nothing hurts. Ta-da! I'm lightweight! <laughs> Yeah, all the mass and density and mavity exists in the glove, not in you. Super gloves? Yeah. They're pulling us in. Oh, where? What's up there? Goblins. Do you know why they call them goblins? Because they like to gobble you up. And this lot want to gobble up the baby. And this is where they feast. <laughs> the goblin ship. And what would they do to us? Oh, oh, they will eat us too. Um, so the use of the Mavity gloves became an important plot device. Mm -hmm. But do you think it was a bit silly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know sometimes it can be a bit churlish at criticizing something in Doctor Who <laughs> for being a bit silly. Um and, it's, and then someone can mention like a million other examples of silly things in Doctor Who where you, you don't have a problem with them. It's it, it's it, it's one of those weird inconsistent things. And, you know, sometimes we can buy, it really comes down to personal taste. Sometimes you can perfectly, you know, you're perfectly willing to accept something. Some things you just can't. It just comes down to personal taste. Um, the the Mavity gloves. Um, I, think you're, I think you were right, Rob. This is clearly gonna be i just thought it was like a one-off thing in wild blue yonder i think the whole mavity gravity thing is gonna go on for for a while mm. um so the the whole thing with the mavity gloves is oh, it's it's like oh on, on top of everything else now we've got this other super duper um gadget and i think i think it's it's i think it's more that i have a problem with rather than the gloves themselves um it's like right, okay. We've got the sonic screwdriver, which seems to do a million things already. Then we've got the the psychic paper, and now we've got the Mavity gloves. Um, yeah, it's like she's already hanging onto a ladder in the sky. Did we really need to add gloves to the to make it like wow, this is amazing? No, so I suppose it was just a case of uh, it deals with the fact that they're having to go up this. You know, they're, they're hanging off their own. You know, uh, they're hanging in. They've got their own weight and the whole thing to do with. Mavity in the first place. Um, it just conveniently deals with all that without putting another thing that, you know, it's like, oh, now we've got to do the whole thing where they're struggling to hold onto the ladder. It completely avoids that. So I suppose from that point of view, it uh, it it allows us to just quickly move on to the, the next thing. But then, but then again, that's another issue. You keep on putting these things in place, but they're very easily overcome. Anyway, well, they enter the goblin ship, and they're kind of immediately tied up 
so they need to get out of that. But, you know, fortunately, the Doctor spent a long, hot summer <laughs> with uh, Harry Houdini. Yeah. Are we supposed to understand? Because my first reaction was that, is he suggesting that he shacked up with Harry Houdini? Yeah, in bondage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Swift, swiftly moving on. Yeah. Um, so we've got the whole thing with the well, the Sonic won't get, won't let them out because there's no locks, but the goblins deal in ropes and stuff, <laughs> so the Doctor can read the language of the ropes and uh, manages to open a few hatches and a few doorways, mm-hmm. um, which it was an interesting thing, like like learning. He's seen a different signs kind of thing because mm-hmm. the, the goblins do deal deal with that with um with bad luck and stuff um so that's fine i guess mm-hmm. and then the doctor kind of this is where he realizes that there is a coincidence here because lula bell and and ruby were both born at 2 p.m. wait no was Lula Bell born at 2pm on Christmas Eve? How is that? That can't be. Because she's there. Oh, I... Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Or, th- or no, are they just going by Ruby's birthday? Or some, time, yeah, yeah, something like that. But anyway, the, there's a there's a connection between... between yes, and we, we, we find out that it's it's yeah. 5 to 2 and the dinner gong's going. <laughs> and um, we get a bit of a song routine. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. Do we mm. want to talk about that? Uh, well, I mean, uh, it'd be odd if we completely ignored it. Um, <laughs> what did you? What did you make of it, Rob? Uh, it's just one of those one of those things. <laughs> um, well, it, it's 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 typical of Doctor Who where you have these these things where you might feel a bit cringe, or you might like it. Maybe we can feast. At least baby blood and baby bones. Baby butter for the baby skulls. That's skulls. Little baby feet, little baby toes. No, it's not. What do we do? Babies have such very bad luck. Now into baby. We will suck. Eat the baby with some salt. That's it, isn't it? Powdered milk. No baby salt says she's a treat. Her destiny is time to meet. Ship this is. He's the Goblin King, yes, the Goblin King. He's not a myth, he's an actual thing. Here's the King, here's the King, here's the King, here's the King Goblin. And we love his chin when it's wobbling. He likes his eye on Black hair. 
I thought it was a bit cringe, but that's fine. Maybe if I was watching it on my own, I wouldn't have uh, minded the weirdness. But well, I, w- I was watching it on my own, and I, I, I cringed. <laughs> I, you know, it was just like if you thought I had a problem with the Spice Girls and the giggle, my God, did I have a problem with this? Yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. Mm. And then, um, oh, so and then get- it gets. Oh, go yeah, on. go no, hang on. Yeah, go on, Rob. I was going to say. It it eventually gets to another another level where the Doctor and Ruby fall through, and mm. the Doctor so- starts singing, yeah. which y- yeah okay yeah. Rocket Janice. Cause the Goblin King, oh the Goblin King, it's so good to meet you, you great big thing. He's, I, I like him, but you know, this is happening. Okay, what's happening? Then Ruby starts singing, improvising all this, and just getting into the swing of it. And well, and, she works in a band, Rob. Right, okay, that explains yeah. it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, no soon, yeah, and the, again, it was sort of like no sooner had we done th- gone through this initial song, and I went, Well, I'm pleased that's over with. Thank god. Oh, what? Oh, there's more of it. And then at the same time when this is going on, they're, they're singing to the Goblin King. They've completely abandoned the kid that they came there to, to save. Mm. And so, is anyone taking this seriously? Is anyone taking the threat of kidnapping children and eating them, which is a really horrible, grotesque thing? Is anyone taking this seriously? Clearly they're not. Clearly no one gives a toss. They're just there for the adventure. He's like, are you hissing at me? I know we've already talked about that, so let's move on. We got this song, and then the singing at the uh, the Goblin King again. Uh, Ruby's just dumped the baby, not p- and the Doctor and Ruby aren't paying any attention. They're surrounded by goblins, who it's very established they've got a thing about eating babies. It's again, there's just this massive disconnect about the threat and and how it's being dealt with. No one's taking it seriously. No one seems to care. Everyone just seems to be going through the motions and it's sort of like these just this series of set peeps set pieces, uh, which are supposed to be visually stunning and, and, and exciting and all the rest of it. But it's it, it just comes across as just complete surface. And I know that this, you know, it's a Christmas special, and so it's like, well, let's have some fun and we can be a bit frivolous. But if you look at previous Christmas specials, I think it had that it really pitched it really well where you had that balance of frivolity, fun, humour, but threat. I mean, there's that, that I think in the Christmas invasion, that's actually quite an, an atmospheric story. You seem to have these aliens who it's explained that this, that isn't what's going on, but it seems to be that there are, that they are able to take over the human race and, and 
allow a number of them just to throw themselves off roofs. That's really quite a uh, a really creepy idea. And they, they ran with it. And then you got the whole thing to do with I'm going to be killed by a Christmas tree. That's both funny and dramatically engaging at the same time. And there's loads of other Christmas specials where they have the same thing. But this, on the other hand, just doesn't... It, it has none of... It has none of that. And it just seems to be complete surface. And it it's just... I think a really bog standard plot that don't follow through on the idea particularly. It's just a series of, as I said, just a series of set pieces. No one seems to be taking the threat seriously. So, so there just seems to be a disconnect from, from what's going on to how the characters are relating. I, I don't think it's particularly effective mm-hmm. as yeah. a result. So, I know, and and after they escape on a rope, and mm. land back on uh, Ruby's house. Yeah, we're kind of done with the goblins almost. Like I know they still play a part, but we don't deal with them much at all. Yeah, and I think I think at this point, because like really, the story could have just ended there and then. I don't think it would have been very satisfying, to be honest. But it's just like right, okay. But we seem to have another twenty minutes. You've dealt with everything. Now it just feels like you're just going to need to see drag everything out now. But yeah, like. Bits of what's coming up, I did quite like, like the mm-hmm. darker the darker turn it, it took. Um, so the doctor meets um, the grandmother Cherry Sunday. I think that was a nice scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. So actually, I, I did the, with all due Yeah. So actually, the, the way that this, the way that it does pan out, is actually quite effective. So it's established that uh, there's been a change, and. Um, Ruby was actually then kidnapped as a as a baby all those years ago. Yes, this then has uh, a knock on effect, and so t- we actually see time being altered around us. Although they don't, it's sort of interesting because they they just seem to accept that the Doctor's still there, but time's changing around him, and they didn't become foster parents. And as a result of that, because their lives were completely different, their outlook is completely different. You know, what? who was who was once this very warm, loving person who loved the fact, you know, who loved children and looking after them and, and, and raising them and, and had this sort of this long, had this big extended family as a result, obviously didn't have any of that and uh, become and has actually become quite a cold hearted person. The fact that um, she simply looks at... Uh, she still fosters some children, but it's from the point of view that she gets money for it. Yeah, and um, it kind of plays into the idea that we're all... Our, like our lives are shaped by the circumstances we're in as well. Mm-hmm. Not not, yeah. not just defined by the kind of person or the potential that we've got, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a very... Um, you know, and the doctor's reaction to that, which is, please don't say that, because I think, unfortunately, you know, there are people who who are, who who do foster and raise children because of the, the because they are generally loving people. Unfortunately, we do get people who look at uh, children as just a, a, a you know a money ticket, as it were. So it's uh, it's sort of it's sadly believable as well. So, and then um, you know the, the the grandmother who's in the bed, um, she's she's completely lost all all her energy and you know she's a completely different person as well i think this comes quite soon after this you know when the doctor arrives and we have that charming scene with her with the grandmother Mm. 
Yeah. And so she's quite chirpy and nice, a bit flirtatious. Mm-hmm. And the doctor sees all the photos on the fridge door, these 30-yard fostered kids. And he, yeah. he yeah, kind of yeah. has a bit of empathy because he himself was like, abandoned, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's never quite had the family that she's had. And even even when she was kind of old enough to not be fostered, she was still accepted as, as like family. So she's, she's Clara's this like lovely, really nice foster mother who mm-hmm. took her in. Um, and then w- once we've been reminded of that, that's when we get the tone shift. And um, yeah, Clara's this kind of really um, kind of negative person about it, all the, about about doing it for the money and stuff and resenting mm. it and all. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it comes quite quick. And also the the whole place is decorated differently because earlier on the social worker says, oh, you, you've been decorating because all, all the lights are up and then th- they are gone after that as well i don't yeah. know notice that but yeah the mm-hmm. the flat looks a bit uh a bit duller as well cherry sunday <laughs> like a tasty treat yes i'll see you later cherry okay <laughs> so the doctor kind of realizes that they must have taken ruby instead of lulabelle like um as a compromise they couldn't get lulabelle so they're going to go back and take ruby so the doctor figures this out and he's rushing out with the tardis um, Mrs. Flood sees him on the way out as well. Now, she seems surprised when the TARDIS dematerializes. Yes. Just just worth knowing. She um she drops her bags. Maybe I don't know if she's shocked because she didn't know this was a thing, or she's just shocked to see the doctor leave. I don't know. Yeah, you could you could read it either way, but uh, yeah, it's it's worth noting that she's surprised she's surprised at this moment later on she isn't and as you say rob it, it could be seen you, you could read it sort of either way either this is generally the first time she's seen something like this uh or she's just surprised that she you know she's familiar she's already familiar with it but nonetheless she's still surprised because it maybe years have passed and she last seen a tardis we don't know but mm, we'll see <laughs> so the doctor goes back to that first scene we saw in the episode where he's quite upset and he arrives sees the mother walking away and then he runs to the goblin ship and he uses his mavity gloves to pull the ship down uh, quite a nice thing that he impales the goblin king on on the church roof well we can you know for a thing Ian ba- I, I had i wasn't crying over it it's just like yeah good riddance it eats babies i'm pleased it's bloody yeah. dead so yeah. and then it kind of fades away um so that's that's the end of the goblins. Um I don't know what what do we um how do we classify the goblins as like a like a a natural part of earth like the fairies? Well I don't know but it seems like I think we I think that the show seems to be going down more of a a fantasy route. And I think this does tie into Wild Blue Yonder and the whole thing to do with the salt and doing it at the end of the universe and this will ah. this will bring stuff in. Um, I think this is obviously going to. Ha- this was an explanation of how the toy maker came came into into our universe. It could be seen that this is how goblins are now suddenly a thing. My my feeling of it is that uh, that whole thing to do with the salt is actually going to be something much more significant in this run of the show oh i hope so yeah because it was like 
it was like a big mysterious thing and then it was mm. just answered the next week so, <laughs> yeah 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 i hope it's more happy birthday ruby so he catches ruby after the goblin ship fades away and he leaves her on the step and he then sees the mother still walking away she hasn't got far but i mean looking at the mother if it is the mother it, it could be ruby herself it's the Scottish widow, Rob. Oh, right. <laughs> bit of advertising in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of advertising. This is Scottish oh, yeah. widow, yeah. Disney needs to get the money from somewhere. So it's oh, full yeah. of ads. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it gets it from an insurance company. It's the Scottish widow. That explains it. <laughs> yeah. So he goes back to present day, and Mrs. Flood is sat, sat, sat outside, gives him a wave. Um, I think she says something. I can't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> And he finds. Oh, Ru- doesn't she? Doesn't she wish him wish him good luck? Oh right, okay, yeah. Um, he finds Ruby back up in the flat, and everything's back to normal. And Ruby's like, huh, "I was here, then I, then I vanished for a bit. Now I'm back. I don't quite know." <laughs> <laughs> then the doctor kind of dashes off to save Davina, and I, w- I was also a bit disappointed at this because I thought I thought it was a good thing. I thought it was a funny thing how Davina died. <laughs> Yeah, please, you, you corrected yourself there. I thought it was a good thing. <laughs> no, it was one of those things. It was sort of like, it was darkly comic. But um, but also, it is kind of funny that uh, we have in Doctor Who, the Doctor actually goes out his way to save Davina McCall. <laughs> Just, there is something quite funny that. If anyone um, is is not familiar, Davina McCall is a, is a, is a popular um, television presenter. She's been presenting television programs for... for, for for an awfully long time. Uh, but I think she's probably most known for uh, being the presenter for the UK version of Big Brother for many years. It's original run on Channel 4. I think I it was whether... 10, 10 or 11 seasons. seasons. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so that, um, Charlie Brooker, uh, before his Black Mirror days, also had written a, um, uh, a show called Dead Set. Um which was a zombie apocalypse TV series. I think it came out in 2009. It was really rather good. And the whole premise was just going, well, if um if the, if there was a zombie apocalypse taking place within the UK, where would be the most success where would be the most safest place to hide? The Big Brother house. Um so you have this uh, these characters who who form up and try to get into the the Big Brother house. It's actually a really good series. And Davina McCall, because she presented Big Brother, appears in that. She actually turns into a zombie. Oh right, okay. Yeah, so she was also in that. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she she has actually been in Doctor Who before because she she played Davina Droid in Bad Wolf. Yes, she did. I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Forgot really? about that. So yes, anyway, sorry, Rob. Uh, so yes, uh, the Doctor saves Davina McCall. Yes, and everything's back to normal. Mrs. Flood is uh, happily watching the Doctor on the street when he mm-hmm. returns again, and. Um, Cherry finally gets a cup of tea. Yes, nice. I'm, nice. I'm pleased that story arc paid Phew. off. Yeah, just that. Oh, to be perfectly honest, right? This is gonna. That was the. That was the. This is part of the story that I was more emotionally invested with because everyone seemed to be taking it very seriously. It's Imagine like, if it was never resolved. Oh, it's just like she didn't even get a cup of tea. <laughs> so I'm pleased she got a cup of tea. I completely sympathise with that. Yeah. Yeah. Need a cup of tea. Yeah. So back up in the flat, Ruby has a bit of a think about the Doctor's been saying and kind of pieces together that he's a bit of a time traveller. 
Mm-hmm. She's like, didn't he mention like time travel and stuff? Um, so then she rushes out to find him. Um, Mrs. Flood points out that the TARDIS is over the road, and we get the the typical disbelief having a little walk around the TARDIS and going back in. And she then faces the Doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm the Doctor," and and then it kind of ends. Um, but it doesn't end. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, the uh, we go into the credits, and then the credits uh, completely halt, come to a screeching yeah. halt. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, so it's not a typical like extra little post-credit thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screech just literally just screeched to a halt. Um, and then we get this bonkers scene with is it is it Abdul or something? Yes. Who's, the, who's the guy? He runs along and and then he sees Mrs. Flood and she breaks the fourth wall. He'd never seen the TARDIS before and she has a bit of a wink. And my wife was like, oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> like the breaking of the fourth wall. So that was a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Flood, did you see? The box thing. It just vanished. It was there. And then it wasn't. It just disappeared. Oh, Merry Christmas, Abdul. Stop making such a fuss. Before. So she's clearly, she's clearly more than what's been presented. Oh, well, she's clearly been presented as more. I hope all the viewers understood that, or they might be left thinking that was a bit weird. Well, actually, I, I think it would be quite funny if it was just like, yeah, she's just an ordinary member of the public who's addressing the audience. Never seen a TARDIS before. Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe she'll never maybe, be back. Maybe it's the case. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> There's a part of me that actually wishes that is the case. Maybe that'll be the running gag. The new story arc will be someone in every episode breaks the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, and it'd be... It's like, Never seen a Dalek before. <laughs> Wink. Like, Never seen a Cyberman before. <laughs> yeah, just making this running thing. <laughs> Never seen an Auton before. And they'd be like, Never seen the Silence before. They'd be like, No, because I keep on forgetting. What? Um, yeah, just making this ridiculously ongoing thing. Yeah, has <laughs> to happen. <laughs> um, can we read in uh, her name? I don't know if little means something. Obviously, we've had a river and pond now we've got flood <laughs> uh, yeah there probably will be um yeah if she, if, she, if she does turn out to be this big important character and there's there's much more going on than meets the eye yeah maybe there would be some explanation of that we'll see um so we'll i'm going to head over to our polling station every episode we do a poll on the website that you can go and check out um and you can vote for it rate each story good average or bad and and if you like to you can also leave a bit of feedback so we're just going to open the ballot box now unpack that and see what the results are so a fair few of you have voted quite a mixed result um 
10% of you have voted the story as average. And so it's it's quite close. So 53% of you have said it was bad. 35 said it was good. Okay. I think for all the points we've raised, it's no surprise it's divisive, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess people are always going to be passionate about the show in different ways, good and bad ways. Uh, how would you rate it? So should we go on to a few... F- should we go on to feedback first? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'd like to say hello to Sonia. Hi, Sonia. Um, Sonia said, just finished watching with my friends and we had a great time. It was fun, entertaining, and we all love shooty. His energy and charisma is so infectious. I think I could watch him do needlework. <laughs> uh, a fun Christmas episode. Oh, well, thanks, Sonia, and I'm pleased you enjoyed it. I certainly agree with you about, and I think same would be for you, Rob, agree with her about what she says about uh, Shooty. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He is really good and very yeah. charismatic. And yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it's one of those things, you know, you could just watch and read the uh, the telephone directory. Uh, that's showing our age, isn't it, Rob? Uh, and um, <laughs> he would somehow make that really entertaining. So, yeah, and yeah. he's kind of got a bit of an infectious voice as well. Like, because I think he's Scottish. Yeah. And some of that, you can just well, hear he, that sometimes, yeah. Well, he was originally born in Nigeria. Um, and then I think he was four. When he he moved uh, to Scotland, yeah, yeah. And imagine if you met him and if you were in the receiving end of that big smile of his, I think you would just melt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, we need to meet him now. Oh okay. yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Um. So hello, James. James got in touch and said, overwhelmingly better than the sixtieth. I was so excited for the episode, and it did not disappoint. My only slight complaint was that I wish Russell T. Davis had committed to doing a full musical episode. What? <laughs> but it's a slight complaint um, in an episode that is 10 out of 10. Wow, okay. Well, thanks, James. And I'm so pleased that uh, that you enjoyed it. I mean, I completely disagree with you, especially about the music. I wonder if it's insane. But no, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear d- different opinions. And I'm really pleased that you enjoyed it. That is good. Dazla, my neighbour, said, <laughs> left a comment on the website, <laughs> a good start. I have a good idea of the type of doctor we can expect. Mm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I think he, he was quite drunk when he, when he wrote that. I saw, I saw him <laughs> typing it. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> um, I'm just going to check over on, on Facebook, actually, because I actually have a Facebook Doctor Who group. And I kind of invited a few people in there. Oh, okay, and it's kind of a little a little side thing. Of course, we have a we have a page for our podcast on Facebook, but we also ha- I also have a, a private group called the Tardis Cloister Room. So I invited a few people in there, and I thought maybe I'll just invite people to kind of post general general stuff on there. Like I'm not, I don't want to go into like promoting the podcast like, as a conversation, but um, when it comes to Facebook. I'm aware of how to use Facebook from a personal perspective, but like, how do you like promote things on Facebook? Uh, so it's 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 a kind of platform I, we haven't really grown on because I don't understand the networking on it. I don't want to go around into people's groups and just spamming them with the podcast. 
Um, but anyway, I've made this group, and uh, you know, maybe it'll be a nice place to to, to kind of chat. We'll see how it goes. Um, but there might be the odd comment in there. So if you wait a moment, I'll just have a look. Oh yeah, so Nicholas G. Grace said had good moments and sadly bad bits. The goblins singing to Disney, uh, not the right fit. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess Agree just kind of mirrors what we all think. Um, oh, and I'll do a, a shout out to our latest group member, Traveling the Vortex, who joined three minutes ago, and a few others earlier today. The Doctor Who Show, Steve Hayward, Ian Ashley, Jill Holt, uh, Albert Christian, Basil, Grant. Hi, Grant. Um, all the Time Space podcast, Sonia and Mike. Hello. Uh, but Liam, you're not on Facebook, no? No, I left Facebook probably, what, like 10 years ago or something like that, and my life has never been better. <laughs> That's good. Um, when you were talking about how, um, we were talking about TV soaps earlier on, and you said how they're mm. horrible kind of thing, and I kind of agree. I was actually having a conversation with the family earlier today, and I made a comparison like, like, quitting watching soaps is so liberating it's like quitting social media <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny it, there's a thing that i do follow on twitter and they uh they post um t- uh, television clips of programs from yesteryear and they've been um posting clips of coronation street from the 70s and stuff like that and so i've been watching watching some of the scenes from there and i gotta say they are really well written they're really nice and they're very nicely performed. So I can kind of get the appeal of, you know, soap operas from, from how they used to be. Um, but I, I think the way that they are now, it's just, it's incredibly repetitive with the storylines. And I just think just very, very negative. I guess so. Um, and I, I don't think I've watched or been invested in soaps um, for about 20 years now. Mm. But But when I did... I think um, they they do a good job of um, of hooking you be- when plots go on for a while, mm. and then you've got this anticipation, which kind of gives you all these feel- emotions and feelings that kind of bubble up, and that that kind of gets you engrossed. So that that's kind of my appeal of it. But then it's a lot of time to invest, and then once you're in there, you follow another storylines, and. 99% of it is just all this filler. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it too negatively. But uh, yeah, I don't have time for soaps anymore. <laughs> no. Um, but thanks everyone for your feedback. Um, we'll put the polling station up now for our next podcast, we'll, which we'll be announcing in a few minutes. Um, Quick shout out for how you can engage with us we have a great website cloisterbellpodcast.com and if you'd like to you can create a profile on there design your profile there's new features where you can add images of your doctor who collection to show off you can interact with the website earn achievements we have a community forum on there um i'll check in on that every day and we have dozens of topics and you can go and then make your own topics and connect with us there if you'd like if you want to say hello on the socials we're on x threads facebook um tiktok where uh where else are we Liam? is that it instagram 
We're on TikTok. We're, we have a TikTok. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you can connect with us any way you like. There's only one degree of separation away from us. Just pop in and say hello. <laughs> now that all that's out the way, um, what do we want to go on to a conclusion of the story now? I think we've pretty much summed up our feelings. Have you got anything to say? I have got something a little to say. So, um, <laughs> so th- th- yeah, uh, so for those who provided their feedback, thank you very much for sending that in. And I'm really, really pleased that you enjoyed the episode. I didn't, I'm, uh, I'm sad to say. And uh, it's such a shame of, uh, you know, hearing those, you know, those positive responses and then feeling how to like sort of like bring it to a screeching halt and now be negative. Um, there were good things contained within the episode, uh, like one or two moments, but on the whole, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was particularly well written um, for the reasons that I said before. I think the, the definitely one thing that I did mention is I wasn't keen on Murray Gold's score. I didn't think the music for this episode worked particularly well. It seemed far more distracting uh, than anything. And there were moments where he seemed to go back to you know, what he used to do way back in series one, where you would have music which is supposed to stir up some, you know, which would suit, in, you know, action. But well, that's not what... T- but, tells you what you need to be feeling. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily that. I mean, because, you know, good scores, you know, can do that. I haven't got a problem with that. But it, it just seems to be a complete disconnect from what the music's doing to what's appearing on screen. Right. It doesn't seem to meld particularly well. Uh, and I, I felt, although I haven't been like a massive fan of Murray Gold, I do feel like his time, you know, when he when he progressed uh, during his first run of being the main composer, well, being the composer, he did get a lot better, and he has provided some amazing scores for the for the series. Um, the back end of last year, I ended up getting hooked on listening to the Shepherd's the Shepherd's Boy from, um, is it haven't. What's the one with Peter Capaldi in when he's trapped in the castle? Is that oh. Heaven Sent or Hell Bent? It'll be the Heaven Sent, won't it? Is it Heaven Sent? I always get mixed up with the uh, the titles of those. So his score for for Heaven Sent was just um, you know amazing, but uh, for this, I just feel he's sort of like reverted back. I, I, I wasn't a massive fan. I really didn't like the singing. Um, now for the positive, I think we all agree that Shuri Gatwa is just absolutely fantastic. Really good actor, charismatic, the camera loves him, and all the rest of it. I really like him as an actor. I really like the fact he's playing the Doctor. Again, what I've got an issue with is how the Doctor is written. I felt like this wasn't Doctor Who. Um, This just felt like a very generic, standard thing that we get elsewhere it didn't feel like it had that special doctor whoiness if you if you like and one of the big problems that i actually have is with the way that the doctor is written this may just be a one-off because it's you know it's it's a christmas special um we'll have to wait till may to find out how the rest of the series is going to go but at the moment to me the doctor wasn't the doctor I think one of the things that always made the show special and made the character of the Doctor special was the fact that he's always been the outsider. He's always been the other. And 
he manages to bring people along with him, but it's never an easy ride. Yeah, okay, he manages to befriend whoever the companion is and they have these great action adventures, but it's it's never easy. But he's always been the outsider. And I think that's one of be I think that's probably one of the that's been one of the biggest appeals of the show. You know, a lot of people can kind of recognise that uh within themselves and they like the fact that they're watching this person who uh who is timeless but sort of maybe a bit socially awkward in some way but he ends up being the hero um should he get was doctor the way that he's written isn't that he's not timeless and he's not the other i know that there's this whole thing with him also being a foster child but this doctor's cool he goes night clubbing and he's a tremendous singer and all the rest of it and there's suddenly the doctor's really really cool i don't gel with that and to me that that's not doctor who that's just another box standard action adventure hero and we've already got a million of those um so i I gotta say i was a bit disappointed with that and this isn't going to be an episode i'm going to return to so i think if i was being fair i think i would rate this as average but I'm not going to be fair. Um, I think it was going to be fair. It was going to be average. But as I said, there's just there are things in there that I like. I like uh, Shuri Gatwa as an actor. I really, really like. I like that whole scene with the snowman and uh, the the policeman, and you're getting married, and the, how the policeman's really happy with that, and all that. That's nice. Um, I like some of the characters, and I like the whole thing about tea. So there are things in here that I like. But on the whole. I was more disappointed than not, and it's not going to be an episode I'm really want looking forward to come back to. So I'm afraid for me, I'm rating it bad. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, people. But okay. Just my well, I'd actually waited a few days to watch this because I had such a busy Christmas. Hmm. So by the time I got around to watching it, I wasn't really in the mood to watch it either. I thought, well, it's something I'm going to have to get out, get out the way. Right. I I, I did enjoy the sixtieth stuff. But it didn't feel like too much of an of an event. True. Yeah. So it didn't kind of have me all excited for what's to come, and of course we got shooty in that final episode, but it was a bit jarring because it it was a bit of a bonkers introduction mm-hmm. where he kind of split out of David Tennant, and we're all left thinking what's happening. Either this is great, this is bad, or we're a bit a bit unsure <laughs> about how we feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um. So it wasn't it wasn't the introduction that we'd got in this so i wasn't quite sure how i felt about him and i wasn't quite i wasn't feeling too optimistic about the future of the show as a viewer yeah i've got to say i was feeling yeah Mm -hmm. um so by the time i watched this um yeah there's a lot of good and a lot of bad uh so 50 percent of it i liked which is 50 percent more than i was expecting to like okay (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> which um which makes it all right in my eyes like some of it so although i might not go back and revisit it there's memorable parts um like some of the bits you were mentioning and i l- like listening to what some of the listeners have said yeah uh, like james really liked it mm-hmm. and that's that's a really nice thing that some people had a good takeaway from it. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the th- stuff you've just said about how you didn't, he didn't quite play the Doctor, or maybe he's ri- he performed it well, but he wasn't written the way you'd expect. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's that's a really good point. It's not something 
I'd considered, or in, and maybe it's not something that bothers me now that you've mentioned it, because I'm happy to wait and see where it goes, mm-hmm. and let give the character time to breathe and see if they do write him well or not. I think I'll wait and see before before I um, judge them on that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm gonna rate it average. Okay. Even though I didn't quite like a lot of it. <laughs> no, I, th- I, th- I think that's fine. I think at the very least, I hope we've been uh, constructive. And as you said, Rob, I'm, I'm really pleased that we've had some of our listeners come in and they've been very positive. And I'm really pleased that they enjoyed it. And I mean that sincerely. It's it, it's great. And I'm pleased, uh, pe- you know, people have you know sat down and enjoyed it and got something out of it. Um, it it you know th- that's great. It just it did it. You know, for the reasons that I've outlined, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't gel with us. Um, I think you're probably being a lot f- fairer than than, uh, than I. But you know, I'm just being honest. Um, yeah, that's but, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think because of the bits I did like from this, I'm now keen to give the series a chance. Whereas on Christmas Day, <laughs> I wasn't that keen. <laughs> so yeah. the series fourteen comes out in May which is just around the corner. Um, so, yeah, we'll get back to it then. Yeah, yeah that, things go. Yeah, it'll soon, it'll soon be here. One thing to do, I think, which is overdue, I think we should arrange a live stream on YouTube at some point. Okay, yep. And um, live up to the promise that we might do some round table discussions as well yes so should we should we text our mates tomorrow and Mm -hmm. try and uh arrange something for youtube yes that sounds good yeah and um we'll we'll do that i know like what we've done previously on youtube was to be there every (laughs) every episode which was a bit of a killer during flux (laughs) it was constant live streams but (laughs) maybe we'll just do one live stream where we cover the 60th and the christmas that sounds that sounds uh more sensible yeah yeah, yeah i think so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a seven uh, hour live stream yes <laughs> we'll, we'll arrange something uh, i'll get to work on that and make make some flashy visuals and stuff um so yeah keep keep, keep your eyes peeled out for that keep your eyes peeled out for that that's i'm just tired i'm just talking <laughs> nonsense now yeah. but it's getting keep quite a late out. for us yeah, yeah. yes i so over to you, Liam. Um, I'd love to know what we're what we're going to talk about in the next episode. Well, because obviously we've been uh, review, reviewing this episode, and you know we've basically just dumped on it. I thought, well, let's 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 be positive and look at an absolute genuine classic. Seems sensible. So th- uh, yeah. So the next podcast we were reviewing Time and the Rani. Uh, the reason for this is because <laughs> because uh. Um, we've seen in the giggle the return of Mel, uh, in an you know, and that was her second regeneration story. Why not? Let's go back and review the very first one, uh, which also happens to be Sylvester McCoy's first adventure as well. Cool. Um, yeah. So that'll be our next podcast. Time and the Ronnie. Great. Oh well, is Mel coming back in series fourteen, or was the sixtieth her return? No, I, oh, I'm not sure. She's either coming back in the series. I th- Actually, I think she is. I'm I sure assumed full... that, but I've been thinking today, oh, wait, was that it? No, 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 because I, I wasn't sure if she was actually going to appear in the series or appear on like some sort of unit spin-off, which I suspect we're getting. But I'm sure I've seen a um, 
a photograph of of her on a motorbike with uh, with shooting oh, as the doctor. Cool. You know what else I noticed in the coming soon trailer? Um, Yasmin Finley's Rose hugging yes. shoot shoot you got where in the unit tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something we're getting we're going to return to. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, and Mel will probably be in the same episode, which would make sense, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to sign out now. Would love it if you'd reach out on any way you can on the socials, mm. on the website, wherever, um, or you can email us feedback at cloisterbellpodcast.com. And we'll see you out there. Um, I think that's it, yeah? Yep, that's everything. All right. Thanks, Rob. Goodbye, Thanks, everyone. everyone. Bye. See you around. Bye bye.